Welcome to First Baptist. Great to have each and every one of you here. I want to welcome our venue service as well this morning. They're going to be doing a tech um, run-through of the service over there in the venue, so I want to welcome them. Uh, Many people who are joining us online as well today, I want to say welcome to them, as well as the Wicker Room. Pastor Scott told you about that. But then also some shut-ins who get to watch our services because it's online as well. Um, Or actually, we have a team who takes them DVDs to watch. And so, shout out, greeting to all of them, as well as to you who are here in this building. Um, you have your message notes. Pull those out. You might have remembered them from last week uh, in your own handwriting. If not, we have the fill-ins to the front part, which is what we covered last week. We're looking at the uh, calling of Moses at the burning bush, which uh, his little scene at the burning bush might be a little different than you have a thought when you say the word Moses or think about the character of Moses, because oftentimes Moses is cast into this uh, perfect man kind of uh, uh, scenario um, because he did so many things well when he did them. I don't know if you remember when he was born, he was um, ushered into Pharaoh's household because he was put into the Nile and discovered by Pharaoh's uh, daughter. And um, so uh, he was raised in the household there of, of Pharaoh, but then also was educated with the Egyptian ways, which were far and above greater than so many of the other cultures in that day. Um, historian Josephus said that um, Moses had this incredible physique, this, this, this wonderful build that people would travel around and, and, and take notice of him, go out of their way to see him. Um, that's oftentimes maybe how we think of Moses in his early years, or maybe we think of Moses in his later years. As he uh, raised his hands out over the Red Sea to allow the Israelites to cross on dry land. Or maybe we think of him receiving the Ten Commandments from God as he went up to the mountaintop. Or perhaps um, we see him just with this larger-than-life persona, um, extended hands, wind-blown hair, speaking for God to the people, and the people obeyed. But as we talked about last week, that's not always how Moses behaved. In fact, there were times in his life when he was not the incredible, perfect servant that maybe we think of. Moses had anger issues. Moses murdered someone, tried to hide the evidence, and then Moses became a coward and ran to the desert for 40 years herding sheep. In fact, at times, Moses was flat out disobedient to God. And so as we come to this burning bush kind of experience, we also see that Moses made excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse of why he was not the man that God was calling to go and talk to Pharaoh. So I'm not sure what kind of an image you came in here with, but realize Moses is a a man that we can learn from and experience what he went through as we may be also going through some of these types of situations. Let me say this. um, You know, we don't know exactly what Moses looked like, but we believe we have the look of who the Pharaoh was that Moses went to. There's a couple of different counts of who exactly was the Pharaoh that Moses addressed, but one of them, Tutmos III, um, kept, you know, uh, uh, from the involvement that they did in the Egyptian culture, Um, was discovered right around the time that Moses was alive and the Israelites were together. And so this is what his face may have looked like. I don't think I would have wanted to go see him as well if he looked like that. 
Um, we, we have proof also that the Israelites were uh, of the culture of making bricks and, and, and being cast into this slavery type of a role, which is amazing to see because, you know, some people will try and disprove the Bible, but archaeology has only come about to prove what is in the Bible is very, very true. And so this is dated to the time of um, Tutmosis III and when he reigned and seen uh, people who were serving in slaves. Um, this other one is kind of interesting. Um, this is a picture, um, they believe, of um, the uh, wife of the pharaoh who has a little baby there, and they know that from the serpent that is on the baby's forehead and the tuft of hair that is coming out the right side, that that casts that baby into the light of being the next king, or, or in this sense, the prince of Egypt. And that's one of those titles that we've had for Moses, the prince of Egypt. And so many people believe that this might have been a depiction of Moses as he was raised in the Egyptian household. And then this next one is, is really kind of odd, but some people also would believe, because this is from that time of, of the Pharaoh Tutmosis III again, that this is a ruler um, and he has a Semitic nose, which he, uh, Moses was a Hebrew, uh, not an Egyptian, and so they have different facial features. And so some people believe that this could have even been um, the ruler Moses himself. Um, I, I throw that all out there just to kind of show and give proof that what we cover here in God's Word has also been explored and experienced in archaeology and in science as well as it just goes about to proving what God's Word is saying. But if you have your Bible, open it up to Exodus chapter 3 because that's where we left off last week. Let me quickly catch you up if you were not here last week. In verse 10, we came to a place where Moses was before the burning bush and God said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses whips out his top five list of why he is not going to do what God has just told him to do. Uh-uh, no way, I'm not going to see Pharaoh. And he starts to make excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And the first one that you have there in your outline, again, we filled that in because we covered it last week, was Moses said, God, I'm a nobody. Who am I that I should go do this? Look at verse 11. It says, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? In other words, who, me? You're, you're, you're calling me? murderous Moses, Moses who, who, who doesn't have a real good past here, Moses who's been out in the wilderness for 40 years, squandering my education, squandering everything that you have blessed me with, you're calling me here now? And so God answers him. And God's answer to him is, Moses, I'm going to be with you. I will be there. That's what it says in verse 12. And God is calling him, not trying to pump him up and say, Moses, you're the man, but saying, Moses, I am the man. I am your God. I will be there with you as you go to Pharaoh. But Moses has a second excuse. And he says, I don't know what to say. If I have to go to him, what am I going to say? Look at verse 13. It says, that Moses said to God, if I, co if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what's his name, what do I say to them? And that's when Moses hears from the Lord his name. The most holiest of names, that name Yahweh, meaning I am. Tell them 
I am has sent you to them. And so God says, what I specifically would like you to do, and this is the next fill in there, was tell them what you've experienced right here. You're at this burning bush. You've talked with me face to face. I've given you my name. Now you go tell them what you've experienced here, and you tell them it's I am. Not you. It's not up to you. It's I am who has sent him, sent me to you. So God says, tell them what you've experienced right here at this bush. Tell them I am has been the one who has sent you to them. Same thing is true for us. If we have a situation, we might be asking, God, um, who, how am I going to speak? I, I, I can't speak. Who's going to speak when I have to try and speak? God says, I am. God, who is going to help give me the strength when I don't have the strength to do what I need to do? I am. God, who is going to help me get through the temptations that I go through late at night or at my workplace? I am. Who's going to help me with the morals that you want me to live up to? I am, says God. Who's going to help you share the message of Christ in the city of Stockton? I am. Yahweh, the Lord God, I am, is here to help you. He says it to Moses. He says it to us as well. So we come to the place where Moses has shared two different excuses. On the back page, we have three more. Here's excuse number three. And Moses is just getting going, okay? Excuse number three. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe that you sent me? What if they don't believe me when I say what I say? Moses says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say... The Lord did not appear to you. In fact, I I took that out of the NIV version. Circle that phrase, what if. What ifs, let me just tell you this. What ifs can paralyze you. They can paralyze you into thinking, I can't do anything. And we can get this paralysis by analysis when we start thinking about all the things. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? You know what's funny about that? Is I've never found myself what ifing the things that I like to do. You know those uh, Taco Bell uh, icy drinks that are really, really good? They're like Slurpees and they're great on 106 degree days, right? Well, we like to get those as a family. We've been there a few times to to pick those up. I I never said to the kids when they've wanted to go, you know, what if, like, the brakes go out and we crash into Taco Bell because we can't stop, like, right there in the parking lot? Or what if someone else, if we're going through the drive-thru, like, their brakes go out and it whiplashes us and we land up in the hospital? Or, or even worse, like, we're drinking that, you know, Slurpee and you get a brain freeze and, like, the brain freeze will not go away for, like, hours and you have to go to the hospital? I mean, what if, kids? What if? Maybe we shouldn't go, right? What if, right? We never do that, do we? We never what if the things we want to do. Why do we what if the things that God wants us to do? When he's involved in them, when he's leading us through situations specifically. And so Moses kind of starts off with this what if. What if they don't believe me? And so God says, okay, Moses, hold on a second. What do you have in your hand? Moses says, oh, I got my staff, my trusty staff. God says, throw it down. He throws it down and becomes a snake on the ground. And Moses runs. Whoa, I don't want anything to do with that. God says, no, no, no. Moses, now you step out and you pick it up. 
Who, me? Yes, you, Moses, pick it up. And so Moses probably goes to pick up the head of the snake because you want to pick up the head so it won't bite you. I mean, I'm not a snake handler. I don't think there's many in here, but you know that. I know that as well. God says, uh-uh, not the head. What does he say? You pick it up by the, by the tail. And as soon as he does, phew, turns back into a staff. God says, if they wonder, you can just show them that. They'll know a little bit more about who sent them. But if they don't believe that, Moses, take your hand and put it inside your cloak. Moses takes his hand, puts it on, and says, now pull it out. He pulled it out, and it was leprous, white as snow. Moses is freaked out. God says, put it back in. Goes back in, pulls back out. It's right back to normal. God says, "Um, if they doubt what you're saying, don't believe you, just go ahead and show them that. But, however... If that doesn't get them to believe, why don't you uh, try this, Moses? And he tells him to take a cup and dip it into the Nile. And when he pours it out, it turns into blood. Moses is shocked. God says, you can show them that. That'll show them. That'll tell them. That'll tell them who is speaking to you even right now. And, And you would think that that would be enough, wouldn't you? I mean, you would think that those signs that God gave to him would be enough to say, whoa, okay, I'm supposed to be your spokesperson. I can speak. I got these three things that I can show them. It isn't, though. It isn't even close because Moses has a few more excuses. But, but I, I guess I just want to kind of stop and ask that question. Do you ever find yourself there in that place where you know what you should do, but you're thinking or you're seeking some sort of a sign from God? God, if you really want me to do this, Give me a sign. I'm looking for a sign. There's a um, kind of humorous movie called Bruce Almighty where uh, Jim Carrey plays a newscaster who has just been fired from his job. And so after an argument with his wife, he's, he's searching for answers as he drives around one night. Take a look at the conversation that he has with God. Okay, God, you want me to talk to you? What should I do? Give me a signal. I need your guidance, Lord. Please send me a sign. Oh, what's this Joker doing now? Okay. All right. I'll try it your way. All right, Lord. I need a miracle. I'm desperate. I need your help, Lord. Please, reach into my life. Uh, what the heck? You ever been there looking for a sign and you ignore the obvious, right? Maybe it is just like a gut feeling that you have. Why wouldn't you step forward and do this? Maybe circumstances are pointing to it, confirming it. Maybe you have looked for godly counsel. You have prayed about it. You have good friends praying for you. Things are pointing this way. In fact, even scriptural principles are saying, yes, this is the way you should go. And you're still praying. But I don't know about all those. God, give me a real sign, right? You've been there, haven't you? I I know I have done that. And so Bruce, he wrecks his car, 
And then he gets out and look at this uh, conversation that he has as he's holding these, these uh, prayer beads in his hand. Um, take a look at the conversation now that he has with God. God answer him about three or four different times? So let me just tell you this. If you're here today, you're looking for some type of a sign or some sort of leading, consider this your sign. You are not here by accident today. This is not an accident for you to be here and hear God's word and hear some of the excuses that we have all made and hear how God is answering those. If you are not serving in some sort of a way, his sign to you is start, step out as God wants you to. If you're not involved here at First Baptist, Pastor Scott and Pastor Derek were sharing, now is your opportunity and next week is your opportunity to step out and be involved, connected in some sort of a way, serving in some way with the community group of some sorts to be around uh, and, and, and building you up as you build them up as well. Some of you might say, well, I don't have a great testimony in my workplace. Today is a brand new day. Today is a day to say, God, how do you want me to see those places in my life so that I can serve you better? Because what God's answer is, as he answers Moses, is this. Moses, I will empower you. I'm the one who's going to empower you Verses 2 through 5, the Lord says when he refers to the miraculous signs, it is so that they may believe that the Lord has appeared to you. God is speaking to you right now. Please hear this. This is your sign. So let me ask you this question. Where in your life do you need to believe this? Where in your life do you need to know that God is involved? And so he is going to be the one speaking through you. Being a witness in your day-to-day life. Maybe it's, again, at your workplace, in your home, with your family, or friends. Maybe it's being a godly husband or a godly wife that you feel like you have just messed it up. But God is saying, no, I've got a second chances. Let's go. Let me help you do this. Maybe it's standing up for what's right in your workplace or on your campus at school. Maybe it's serving God in some way, somehow. Because here's really the core of what I'm getting at. Do you understand just a fraction of the impact that we would have here in Stockton, that First Baptist would have in Stockton, if each and every one of us became bold in serving in his name, in sharing his name, and witnessing in his name? 
If we would understand that God is saying these things, not only to Moses thousands of years ago, but is saying it to us today, and to realize that he has given us his Holy Spirit even to do it in and through us. If you would step out and say, God, what are you calling me to do? I am your available servant. Do you realize the impact you would have on Stockton for Jesus Christ? Let me tell you about one person who did that. Kevin Hess, I'm going to invite you to come on up here. Kevin is a uh, police officer with our Stockton PD, uh, has been an officer for 10 years now. We shared a little bit about his story. Oh, yeah, okay, you can see they love you. We shared some of his story about a month, month and a half ago when he had a a special forces boys camp here on the grounds here at First Baptist. So, Kevin, I'm going to ask you to share a little bit about this special forces boys camp and what it is or what the idea was um, and then what happened at that camp. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. Well, earlier this year in January, uh, a couple of the police chaplains approached me and said, hey, what do you think about a uh, boys camp? And uh, our goal would be to reach junior high boys that come from broken homes, uh, single-parent homes, homes without dads. And maybe we could prevent some of these kids uh, by taking the path where they would take that police officers would have to deal with them later. So uh, we prayed about it. We started meeting. It started out once a month, and then once every couple weeks, praying and talking about it. And we uh, gathered up 50 kids from the public school system, junior high, that all fit that category. So it wasn't intended to be here on the grounds, but it came about that it did, and we were so blessed to get to host you. Tell us a little bit about the results of a week-long camp with, with these boys. Well, I'm gonna, it's exciting to say that over 30 kids gave their life to Christ that week. That so. is awesome. That is awesome. But it didn't start off that way. Look, it didn't start off looking that way to us. Um, these 50 kids got off the bus, and uh, they knew we were police officers, and we knew where they came from, and uh, we bumped heads the first couple of days. Um, I picked out a couple of the kids that I knew we would have trouble with, that I knew uh, would cause a lot of problems. Um, these kids didn't like push-ups. They didn't like us. <laughs> um, but by the end of the week, we had built relationships with these kids. We mentored these kids. We were able to share Christ with them. And uh, even today, uh, every couple weeks, I am still text messaging with a a young man, and Mm -hmm. uh, just things have worked out good. Yeah, and and we're so thrilled because they they didn't just say, hey, here's the week-long camp, but you actually divided up the kids into different groups, and you guys were wanting to follow up and mentor them as much as they are open to having that kind of mentorship. Yeah, correct. A couple of the police officers, they split the kids up into about five to eight kids per group, and... uh, each person at the camp, each officer or chaplain took that group of kids. And every couple of weeks, I pull that list out of my desk drawer at work and I call these kids. And uh, a couple of the police officers have gone out to lunch with them and brought them to the police station and uh, had lunch with us there. So, yeah. And, and so, you know, as, as, as awesome as that is, and I know some of you are sitting there saying, well, that's a police officer. He can do that kind of thing. What do I have to do? You know, it, it might not have come easy for you, did it? I mean, and what, did, what did God do personally in your heart um, uh, as he was asking you to do this type of thing? Um, I came up with a couple excuses like Moses did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just a couple, huh? Just a couple, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were really easy to come up with. Um, we planned on having this event out 
on the port of Stockton, we have a build, the police officers have a building out there. And a couple weeks before the camp uh, started, we got a call that said, hey, guess what? Uh, you can't use the facilities anymore. And on one hand, I was like, oh, you know, that stinks. But on the other hand, I was like, whew, I don't have to deal with 50 kids for a whole week. But then uh, God uh, uh, brought it to First Baptist, and, and uh, they let us use the facility here. So thank you for that. And then on the Monday, the camp started on a Tuesday, and Monday before the camp started, uh, one of the local churches was letting us use their bus. And he called Monday and was like, hey, the bus broke down this weekend um, with all the ministries they do on Sundays. The transmission went out, so you don't have a bus. And then there was another thought. It was like, oh, man, you know, maybe, God, maybe, maybe God's trying to tell us this isn't what he wants. But it was, on the other hand, it was the devil stepping in and attacking us. Well, we made some phone calls, and that day, uh, three different churches here in Stockton stepped up and said, hey, we have buses. Use them. You know, they're yours for the week. Yeah. And this is not just a one-time event, is it? You, you have plans for doing this again next year? Correct. Um, this first year, we brought in believers, uh, police officers who know the Lord, and we, our plan was to minister to the, the kids. And in turn, it ministered to the police officers and the staff there with the camp so much. These kids used to be just a, a call for service for me. Hmm. Um, I'd go to a domestic violence or a burglary, you know, give the kids the stickers and walk out the door and forget about them. You know, they were just another call that I had to handle. Um, but now I see it differently. Um, we, with the kid, meeting these kids and mentoring these kids and now building a relationship with them and being able to text message these kids, um, it, it gives us, the police officers, a different outlook on the community. And so next year, we're going to bring in non-believer police officers to help us with the camp. And hopefully, it'll be a twofold. We could minister to the kids and also minister to some police officers as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for what you do. God bless you. Say thank you to Kevin once again for what he does in policemen. You know, and, and that's not just even a week that he does that. He has four kids of his own. He has a beautiful family, beautiful wife. And he comes down here and serves in the Iwana program every week as well, um, just doing his part over and above what you might say his part in helping the youth of Stockton. Um, I, I look at that and I say, whatever God has laid upon your heart, God has also said, I will empower you to do it. Kevin, it's not in your might. It's not in your power. I will empower you to do that. He said the same thing to Moses. And yet Moses came up with another great excuse as he was going down his list. Excuse number four was, um, uh, God, if you haven't noticed, I don't speak well. God, I'm not sure you uh, have heard me lately, but look what it says in 4.10 says, but Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. I don't speak so well. I can do the hand thing, you know, pour that in there. I can do the cup or I can do the staff, but don't ask me, 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 me to speak because I can't. I can't. In fact, many people believe that Moses was a stutterer. That he tripped over his words and he actually had a stuttering problem. That's what many scholars believe. Let me tell you this little story about a stutterer. Um, 
little boy by the name of Jim stuttered so bad that when he went up through grade school and into high school, he couldn't even finish a sentence. In fact, he communicated with his teachers mainly by writing notes to them because he couldn't even bear to talk to them. He was so embarrassed by his stuttering. When he would go home, he couldn't even finish a a, a sentence out loud when he would stutter, even in his own room. And it wasn't just nervousness. It was a serious condition that he had where he was um, uh, stuttered and stuttered and stuttered. But in the high school class, he had to take a speech class. And so he went to the teacher and he said, you know, you hear how I stutter. I can't do it. And the teacher kind of pulled him side and said, Jim, let me, let me talk to you about something. He said, um, some people um, think that if you memorize a sonnet or a script or a poem, it will help you speak. You, you have a very beautiful voice when you do speak, so why don't you try and memorize something and see if that helps you? So he goes home and he memorizes a Shakespearean sonnet and he said the whole thing without stuttering in his room. He goes back to his teacher. He shares this with her. He shares it with the class. In fact, he began to memorize more and more and more, and he decided that he enjoyed speaking so much that he became an actor. And today we know him as one of the great voices of all time. In fact, he is the voice of Mufasa in The Lion King, the original voice of Darth Vader in Star Wars. You know who I'm talking about? James Earl Jones was at one point a stutterer in life, saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And you know, I I think about Moses, and I think about him standing before God and saying, God, I can't do this. And my question comes into, can't or won't? You can't do it or you won't do it because there's a big difference there. If you're saying you can't, God is saying, great, you don't have to do it on your own. I never intended for you to do that. But if you say, I won't, God can't make you. He can't force you. And he's not going to. So whatever perhaps is causing your hands to be a little sweaty right now, perhaps what you are saying, God, don't ask me to do that. Maybe you're saying you won't. Because God's answer to Moses when he says, I don't speak very well, is this. I'll help you speak. I'll make a difference for you. I will be your voice. Look at verses 11 and 12, chapter 4. Then the Lord said to him who has made man's mouth, who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind, is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with you, uh, with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. He's asking him, who put that mouth on your face? Who put that pie hole right there in the middle of your face? It's more than just to eat with Moses. You need to speak out of it. And I'm asking you, now go, go, speak. Now, some of you might say, well, you know, that's, that's great for Moses. Again, you know, he passed the test. He did all these great things for God. Is that really true for us as well? Absolutely. Look at what Jesus says to some of his disciples in Luke chapter 12 when he's telling them. He says, you know, when you go before the synagogues, when you go before the rulers and the authorities, he says, um, don't be anxious about what you're going to say, how you should defend yourself or what you should say for the, what's the word there? Who's going to be with you? The what? The Holy Spirit will teach you the very hour what you ought to say. 
I mean, this is not just some 4,000-year-old story. This is, this is the Holy Spirit here and now speaking to us and will speak in and through us when we finally say yes. And I don't know if you ever kind of put yourself in that situation where maybe you, you, you came through something or you said something to a friend. You're like, man, who was saying that? I, I, I don't know. Who, who was saying that? Here, here's the way I posted it last week. Let me say it again this week. What would you do for God if you knew you couldn't fail? Who would you talk to? What would you try? And if God put a name on your heart, or if you put a a thought of what you could do, may I just suggest maybe you should try that this week. Because God is saying, I will help with whatever that may be. I will help. You know, God has laid the uh, venue idea on my heart for a number of months. If some of you maybe have not heard us talk about it a lot, we've been sharing things about it over the last month or so. But when Crosswalk ended a couple of years ago when I became senior pastor here, um, uh, I'd always kind of thought, wouldn't it be great if we had still a venue service where whatever was filmed here in this sanctuary could be shot and filmed over there and projected onto a screen so that they might have a little different uh, worship experience, um, might have kind of some different seating in the area, would alleviate some of the space problems that we have in the fall time when people come back and kind of the services fill up. And so on August 23rd, we're going to begin that venue service over in the gymnasium, which coincidentally, August 23rd is 17 years to the day that Crosswalk started on August 23rd. And so it's been so much fun to kind of have that vision birth, and our staff has kind of gotten a hold of that. And actually, as a congregation, so many of you said in the congregational study that we took a couple of months ago, we want that back. We believe that's a vibrant ministry here at the church. And so that's what we're going to do on August 23rd. Open it up so there's a little different worship experience that people have. It alleviates the space in here. And then um, during the message time, what is shot in here in the sanctuary is projected over there in the gymnasium so they hear the same message. And the reason we are doing that is because we want to reach people who in their minds would not darken the doorway of a church such as this. All of us who are in here, we think it's pretty comfortable to get to come around here. And, and it's a great place to be. But there are so many people, either be it on things that they have done in their lives, or people have told them, oh, if you walk into a church, the doors are going to come off, the building's going to fall down because of what you've done. And and they just don't feel like they could come into an experience like this. Let me tell you about one. His name was James. And he would um, have his children come to our church and his wife. And as they came, they came over to the crosswalk service. They would go home on Sundays and say, Dad, Dad, would you come with us to church? He'd say, no, I don't want to go to church. I don't do church. I don't do that kind of thing. They would come again, come home. Dad, would you come to church? No, I don't want to go to church. Don't, don't talk to me about church. Wife would be coming with them, coming. Won't you just come with us? Finally, the kids got him to come once. He went over to the crosswalk service. And it was a different kind of experience. It was in a gymnasium. It, the lights were a little bit lower, so maybe nobody could recognize that he was in church. Music was a little different. It was different than he remembered when when he had heard about it from his grandparents and such. And so James started to come a week. He said, that wasn't so bad, I'll come again. Wasn't so bad, I'll come again, come again, come again. Over time, gave his life to Christ, got baptized, and now wants to help others who were in his same type of situation. In fact, he wants to help them so much that we hired him as our IT guy here on the church grounds 
In fact, he is up in the booth right now filming this service right here so that it can be projected online to people who maybe don't feel like they can come to church right away or to people who will go over to our crosswalk service or our venue services now we're going to have it, people who might not walk into a room like this. He has bought in so much of that to say, I want to help make that come about to help people who are in my same situation. I look at that and I say, whatever brings them in and gets them in front of God's word is what we want. We want them to hear his word. And God is just keep pulling them and pulling them and pulling them and pulling them in, whatever that may take. And so when we start that service on August 23rd, we're not saying, hey, why don't you go to that service? If you're comfortable here, please stay here. We don't expect a mass uh, exodus from this worship service here to go over there. What we're wanting is new growth. And new people to come around. And so the people who are going to help start that service and going to serve over there are not just going to sit. They're going to serve. Because we talked about that last week as well. That God has saved us not just to sit, but he saved us to serve in some way. And to be praying for people who might not come into a sanctuary like this. Now, we have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people across this uh, city who would come into a place like this. That's why we invite them here. We just know that there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands who won't come to a place like this. And so that's why we invite them to a gymnasium type of a venue type of service. Whatever it takes, as I said, to get people in front of God's word is what we want them to know and experience. And so God is is equipping our staff to do just that. Because here's what I know, whether it's our staff who's helping put this on or people who are working at that or you with a ministry God's putting before you, God won't ask you to do something that he won't also equip you to do as well. Let me say that again. He will not ask you to do something that he won't also equip you with the ability to do that. We just need to be willing. And Moses wasn't yet. And so he comes up with one more excuse, and I would say it was probably his most pathetic excuse. And it was this. He says, God, would you just send someone else? I do not want to send someone else. Verse 13. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Bottom line, I'm out of my comfort zone here. I'm not the person to do this. And so God steps up and says, Moses, you're not alone. I will give you someone to help. Verse 14 and 15. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. You know what that tells me? It tells me God still works with us. He knows how he made us. He knows some of us aren't. Aren't, aren't extroverts. He knows some of us are more introverted. He know, God works in and through us. He works with us. He works with where we are now if, if we are willing. If we say yes. See, God was still going to use his mouth. God, Moses, okay, you stutter, I get it. Be more dependent upon me. And I'll bring Aaron alongside to work with, alongside with you. But I'm not letting you off the hook. In fact, just for a moment, look at your outline again. Let's look at the answers that God gives. Look what he says. I'll be with you. 
says, tell them what you've experienced. Who is talking to you right now? He says, I will empower you. I will help you speak. Moses, you are not alone. And when Moses finally stops saying no, that's when the trip comes to Pharaoh. That's when the plagues come. That's when the miracles start. That's when the Red Sea parts. That's when the manna falls. That's when the Ten Commandments take place on, on, on Mount Sinai. When Moses finally stops saying no is when the miracles started. And none before. It's when he stops saying no. And the same thing is true of, of us. When we finally come to the place of saying, okay, God, you've placed something in my heart. I need to take a step. We have no idea the kind of ministries that could go on around here in Stockton. We didn't know a year ago that Kevin had this birth in his heart and other chaplains and police officers in the city of Stockton. You know the impact that that could have on 50 youth, not only youth, their families as well. The greatest ministers around here have probably not even been birthed yet. They're in your hearts. You just need to look in and say, okay, God, if I'm willing, what are you going to do in and through me? Here's what I know. Nothing much happens to people who always say no to God. And so like Moses, we need to come to the place of saying yes. I mean, could you imagine if Moses ultimately said no? I mean, where would God's people be? Could you imagine if Jesus said no? Where would we be? See, when God was calling Jesus to come down here to this earth to be born as a babe and then to go to the cross, um, there was a side of Jesus who didn't want to. He wasn't so sure. He probably could have come up with some excuses. Father, take this cup from me. I don't want to, but not my will, but and so before he went to the cross Jesus gathered together with his disciples because he knew he had a mission for them as well and he knew he'd be given, they would be given excuses as well but Jesus says oh the Holy Spirit's going to come he will help you and he says I also want you to do this I want you to remember what I do for you right here on the cross because that ushers in a brand new age a brand new covenant in fact we take the story just briefly here out of Mark 14 where it says in verse 22, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them. He said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they also drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. In essence, what he's saying is, do this until I come again. Do this to strengthen you. Now, the command that he gave was done amongst his disciples, who were amongst believers. And so today, if you have not chosen to follow Christ, we ask that you allow these elements to just pass. It's not for you yet. However, I'm going to pray before these elements are passed. And if today's your day to say, yes. I do need to take this step. I do need to be in obedience to God. And that begins with first accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. Then we ask you to do that. For the others of you, you might just need to kind of do a heart check. 
What kind of sins do I maybe have going on? What kind of unconfessed anger do I have? Maybe even what kind of disobedience have I had of telling God no? God wants us to come to a place like this, clean hearts. Saying, God, I'm doing this to remember what you did for me. Because you changed everything by going to the cross. As we come to a time of remembering that, let's pause for a moment and... uh, And let's pray. God, I thank you for an opportunity to celebrate what you did for us on the cross. Your selfless act of dying for us when you could have found every reason not to. And yet, Jesus, you did. So God, now we come to a time of remembering that. We come to a time of honoring that. We come to a time of saying, we remember what you did for us through your blood and through your body, broken, shed for us. The new covenant that now is ushered in in grace, not having to be perfect, but to rely upon the forgiveness of sin and the sacrifice, Jesus, that you gave for us. So today, if you're here and you're hearing my voice, whether it be in the venue, whether it be online, wherever it may be, If you know today you have not yet given your life over to Christ, if you have not said yes to Him, why not do that right now? Right now, by the power of God's Holy Spirit, if you would say words such as this, Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, the things that I have done wrong. I'm choosing today to follow you, to repent, to go your way. Jesus, I'm following you now. If those words are just the intentions of your heart, it doesn't have to be those exact words, but the intentions of your heart, Jesus hears that. And he gives you new life. In fact, you're born again. God's spirit is born inside of you. And so today, we invite you to also share with these elements, share them here with us. Others, again, if you would just take a few moments just to confess and have your heart be right, we're going to enter into a time now of remembering what God did for us by giving his son to us and knowing that this this very act is why we can have a relationship with God. God, thank you for your calling upon Moses. Thank you for your calling upon your son to allow us to be in relationship with us. We focus on that now. For it's in the name of Jesus that we do this. Amen.